In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate but equally important groups, the police who investigate crime and the state's attorneys who, wait, no, the, the state's attorney who, shit, Tom, just hit the sound thingy, hurry up. to another episode of On the Mic with Mike. I am your podcast host, Instructor Mike. You can find me on Facebook at Mike Brown. You can find me on YouTube at Instructor Mike. And once again, we are hearing the illustrious yet unfortunate siren in the background by the Chicago Police and the Chicago Fire Department. You know, it's Saturday, April 13th. At 9.21 something p.m. And we are in Cook County, Illinois, in Chicago. You know, I've been looking at this Kim Fox case. And we're talking about the Cook County State's Attorney's uh, Office headed by Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox. You know, you've heard my last podcast talking about this. And it's like, try as I might to talk about something else, to think about something else. I look on my Facebook timeline, I look in the news media, and I see another murder, you know, that has happened in Cook County. You know, today, this time, I believe it was an 18-year-old female who was shot in in, uh, one of the communities in Chicago. You know, we look at all these murders, and I begin to ask myself the question, can you incorporate Or can we even talk about murder, justice, police accountability, reform, and not include the Cook County State's Attorney's Office? And so these conversations come in light of the, or in the wake of the Jesse Smollett case, okay? Uh, of course, those of you all who you know uh, need to be brought up to speed, we're talking about the case of Jesse Smullett, who alleged that on the wee early hours of the morning in January, when we were having very cold weather, he was assaulted by two uh, white men in masks with "Making America Great Again" hats, who said something to the effect of "This is MAGA country," who poured bleach on him, and Chicago police treated him like a victim. You know, uh, until the last hour where he was then seen as the suspect, you know, and then uh, after the Cook County State's Attorney worked in concert with the Chicago Police Department Detective Division Area Central, you know, and working up a case to deliver to the grand jury to uh, achieve, if you will, a true bill indictment against Jesse Smullett for the charge of felony disorderly conduct, a class four felony, the lowest of felonies in Illinois. You know, when you look at that and the, uh, you know, the arraignment and subsequent or the bail hearing and subsequent arraignment of Jesse Smollett only to be charged 15 more times 
with disorderly conduct at the felony level for him to have to come back to the courthouse to be arraigned on those charges and to have to post bond or either allow the bond to stand on those charges for him to put in a plea of not guilty and maintain his uh, his innocence throughout. And then for there to be an emergency meeting of uh, the, the judges and the state's attorney, you know, uh, who notified the defense at the last minute. Okay, we don't even want to call it the last minute, just an emergency hearing of sorts, you know, and then uh, to all of a sudden drop the charges um, by nollying the charges out. And so, so we look at the Fraternal Order of Police and the police chiefs who entered a vote of no confidence in state's attorney Kim Fox. And then the FOP plans to protest uh, or they plan an actual protest of Kim Fox calling for her to resign. And then there'd be a counter protest by supporters calling the Fraternal Order of Police outrage selective, giving the lack of outrage over the Laquan McDonald Jason Van Dyke shooting. You know, and then the subsequent meeting at the Rainbow Push uh, Foundation's annual conference and then the the impromptu or maybe it could have been planned. Who knew uh, the supporting of Kim Fox and then Bobby Rush, the congressman out of Illinois, calling the Fraternal Order of Police the sworn enemy of the black community. You know, they're just bringing you up to speed as to the latest developments with regard to that. You know, and then the I-Team investigation, they're digging into all of her her previous cases where she either played a part directly in the case, you know, or she, by virtue of her office, creating a culture where other prosecutors don't want to do what they know they need to do because of the culture created by the chief prosecutor, uh, Kimberly M. Fox. And so if you all looked at the the uh, the conference, as I did, as it was going on. I didn't catch a video snippet. I watched it as it was going on. And I looked at how Kim Fox made this about race. And so, you know, I want to get to some of the comments that she said about race that, you know, when, when the head of the office is an African-American, the goalposts change, you know, that that she's wondering why, you know, it was a bunch of white chiefs who who looked, you know, who was at that conference and why no black chiefs stood up and, and said anything. You know, we can look at all of these things uh, and you've heard me talk about these things in my previous podcast. So I'm not going to, you know, beat a dead horse here, but I want to talk to the black voters of Cook County, specifically Chicago, but of Cook County. You know, I follow and watch a, a man by the name of Mays Jackson, who is uh, the host of the WVON, you know, morning show, uh, AM 1690. I believe that's the radio station, uh, and so he has a saying, what's in it for the black people? And I think that when you look at that statement, it is a wonderful statement because other races advocate through various means for their interests, for their community. And the argument is, why don't black folks argue for that same interest? And so keeping in line with what's in it for the black people, the question that I have is in keeping state's attorney, Kim Fox, what's in it for the black people? I think that's a very question, a very good question to uh, ask. 
And why do I, being a black man who resides in the city of Chicago, in the county of Cook, in the state of Illinois aforesaid, why do I ask that question? Why is it important for me to even think about that question and correlate it to state's attorney Kim Fox? Well, it has been asked previously when we talk about the Fraternal Order of Police outrage and the Fraternal Order of Police, you know, why haven't they said anything about the Laquan McDonald situation? Where was the outrage for Jason Van Dyke and his his actions towards Laquan McDonald? And if you've been following the the political uh, 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 trail, if you will, of Kim Fox as she ascended to that office, you began to pay attention to some things such as Kim Fox ascending to that office on the back of Laquan McDonald and, uh, and by the endorsement of the current uh, president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners, Tony Preckwinkle, who's also the head of the Cook County Democratic Party. And so I began to listen to some comments, some comments to the effect of while you guys are paying so much attention by you guys, I mean the Chicago Police Department. This is not my stating. This is this is just the statement that I've heard of other naysayers, if you will, more so supporters of Kim Fox. You guys got so much outrage against Kim Fox, against this, against that. You didn't say anything about Van Dyke. You need to be looking away from Jesse Smollett, a person who faked his own attack for his own glory, and you need to be trying to solve the murders in our community. You need to be trying to solve the case of the missing women in our community. And to an extent, you look at the the situation that's going on in the black community, and you begin to say, you know, that does bring a point not saying it's a valid point, not saying it's an invalid point, but it does bring a point that there are a lot of murders in the city of Chicago at which there could be a large amount of resources poured towards those murders. Now, we can't state there aren't a lot of resources. We can't state that there are. But given the high numbers of murders that exist in Chicago, I invite you to go to the website heyjackass.com. Now, why go to this website? Well, I feel it is very important that you see for yourself the numbers of murders that occur in Chicago, as well as look at the racial makeup of who among the cohort of people killed in Chicago is in the lead by looking at it by race. Okay. And so looking at it at heyjackass.com, currently year to date, and this is today's date, you got 97 shot and killed. You've got 440 shot and wounded for a total shot of 537 for a total homicide number of 107 homicides in the city of Chicago. Okay. If you look at it by racial makeup, and we're going to talk about police involved shootings because that's also important too. Okay. If we look at it in terms of racial makeup, right? 73.8% of the people shot, okay, the victims are black. 78%. And that boils down to 62 victims 
are black. 17 victims, Hispanic. Five are white or some other race. And one is a police officer. Now, those numbers are just too much. Now, the 2019 homicide clearance rate where no suspect is charged is 12.2%. Now, people can sit there and say, my God, look at how fast they they went to try to solve this murder with Jesse, um, or not murder, but this incident, this alleged hate crime with Jesse Smollett, only to find out that he faked his own hate crime. And he wasn't the victim of a hate crime. He was the victim of nothing. He, in fact, was the suspect. And look at how fast and how fast they solved that, how many resources they, they used for that. But the naysayers don't take into account the fact that it wasn't just Chicago police resources. It was community resources as well. And so with a 12.2, excuse me, with a 12.2% homicide clearance rate and with the cry for uh, the Chicago police to turn away from the Smullett situation, leave him alone and focus on solving the problems in the black community, more specifically, the murders, the high numbers of murders that occur within the black community. You know, and of course, those numbers seem pretty low, but they're not. Because if you look at it, right, if we look at the murders, right, even right now in the background, This mic is so good, it is picking up the helicopter that is hovering in the area, in the community where I am. Nine times out of ten, there's a crime being committed close to me. Let's look at 2018 totals, right? You've got 495 shot and killed. 2,467 shot and wounded for a total shot of 2,962 persons, Chicagoans. We want to say Chicagoans, we'll just say persons for total homicides of 589. Let's look at it by race because that, that seems to be the argument here. Kim Fox is saying that it's about race. Well, let's talk about it from another racial perspective, right? 78.9% of those total numbers are black people. That's 465 black people who were killed in 2018. 79 of them were Hispanic, 43 of them were white, and two of them were police officers. With the total clearance rate in 2018 of 15.7%. 15.7%. So we can talk about the fraternal order of police and you know why the low uh, crime clearance rates and things of that nature. We can talk about all the resources and the economic opportunity that needs to happen. We can talk about all that. But in looking at the question, what's in it for the black people? As a trained criminal justice professional, a former police officer, former homicide detective, you know, who's, who served not in Chicago, but in communities where Chicago crime comes to that community. Oftentimes people lo- relocate from the city to the suburbs. And I've worked in some of the most violent suburbs in the south land of Cook County, dealing with a lot of Chicagoans. The question that I have is this. 
you cannot ask for any police department to try to address the murder issue without looking at the prosecutorial efforts to bring the murderer to justice. There can be no justice without looking at it from the prosecutor's uh, job or their job description. That is to fight in the courtroom on behalf of the people of a given state, of a given area. Okay. And so looking at the experience of the prosecutors and the chief prosecutor is extremely relevant. Now, I tend to be one of those ones who tend to be heavily informed especially if I'm interested in a, a candidate or a position. And one person who I was looking at very closely was Kim Fox because the Laquan McDonald was a controversial situation, a controversial case. I am of the belief that Jason Van Dyke did not have to use the force that he used. Now, there are some people who disagree with me, and that's fine. They're entitled to their opinions. But as a trained professional, as a law enforcement firearms instructor who teaches not only police officers and law enforcement professionals, but civilians and has done so for over a decade, I can't active too, not just every year when it's time to requalify. I'm talking about actively teaching throughout the year, actively studying. I'm also a member of the International Law Enforcement Educators and Trainers Association. We train and train and train and train and train all the time. You have to. I am of the belief that had the Chicago police equipped Jason Van Dyke with a different kind of tool or equipped the police department with a different kind of tool, Jason Van Dyke would have never been able to arrive on scene and do anything to Laquan McDonald for the situation would have more likely than been stopped. Because the right kind of tool and not the taser. I'm a former taser instructor too. I can tell you that would not have worked. But the right kind of tool would have more likely than not stopped Laquan McDonald so he could be taken into custody. Of course hurt, but without him losing his life. But I digress. Looking at the experience of the prosecutor is very relevant and also will help people understand who they are electing. I turn you now to an episode of Chicago Tonight where the former incumbent Cook County State's Attorney Anita Alvarez and her two challengers, Kimberly Fox and Donna Moore, were also in a debate on Chicago Tonight sponsored by the Women of uh, League Voters or the League of Women Voters of Cook County. Hope I'm saying that name right. And so I want you to listen to where the moderator, Mr. Ponce, I believe his first name is Phil. Ask Kimberly Fox about her experience. I think that you need to hear it from her mouth directly. Let's take a listen. About a hundred, and that's a number that's hard to verify because nearly all of them were. Fox, uh, there's still confusion about your trial experience. You first said you handled hundreds of trials, but later you told the Tribune you've handled about a hundred. 
that's a number that's hard to verify because nearly all of them were juvenile court records, which are not public. Clarify, how many trials have you handled? Certainly, Phil. I was an assistant state's attorney for 12 years, seven of which on the front lines trying cases every day, and five years as a supervisor under the state. handling cases uh, every day. Handling uh, cases, so child abuse cases. Yes, I know, but how many cases went to trial where there's opening statements, where there's presentation of evidence, where there's concluding statements, where there's uh, where you handle any questions that come out of jury deliberations and so forth? Phil, I've done many cases in the state's attorney's office. I've, I've Some that have gone to trial, many have gone to trial, some that have been pled out, because uh, I was a frontline prosecutor for seven years and a supervisor for five under this state's attorney. The Sun-Times reported that you handled one felony trial while you work with a more experienced prosecutor. There's no record of you trying a murder case, and you've tried only one juvenile case involving a felony. Yeah. Is that accurate? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The records that the Sun-Times used came when Anita Alvarez used her government office for political purposes. The records that were given were held by Anita Alvarez, and she released them. First, she said so there was first, Alvarez, first, uh, first she said there was one, then she said there were others. The problem with that, Phil, was that we're going down a rabbit hole because Anita Alvarez used her office pursuant to a FOIA to provide information for uh, political purposes that was inaccurate. And Did so it's a distraction. The records are inaccurate, Anita Alvarez? No, the records are not inaccurate. Now, what, are the, what are your records? Uh, what do you she claim your records are? She tried four cases. She tried four cases. Her, her campaign literature says she has thousands, thousands. Then she backs down and then she says, okay, it's not thousands, it's hundreds. Then we're at the Tribune editorial. Now she's finally got, she's, she's got her feet to the fire and she has to finally say, oh, well, it's four. She's a liar. Okay. You know, if you, when you apply for a job and if you if you lie on that job application, you don't get the job. She is lying to no. the voters of Cook County. She's lying about her experience. Why would you lie no. about your first experience? Of all, she's first lying about her the lie is about why it took 400 days to charge Laquan McDonald, to be clear. No, Second about, of all, about your but when Anita Alvarez uses words like liar, when she said she delivered a, a FOIA request that said there was a one, now she's saying there's four. She is the keeper of records which are have a history of bad data that she doesn't keep. And she knows that. And when she did it, she knew what she was doing. The issue here, so Phil, for the record, to the best of your knowledge, how Phil, many trials have you actually Phil, conducted? I, the number is not the issue here. The issue here is experience and judgment. And what got us here in this situation now, where the trust, is the issue. where the trust of the criminal the justice issue. system is destroyed, is because of the judgment of this state's attorney and how she's handled this case and many other cases. So it's again, not about trials. But it's for the about record, judgment. Are you sticking to about a hundred cases or so? That is correct, Phil. Uh, Donna Moore, you have. So when we begin to look at her own words out of her own mouth, you know, we're talking about the experience, you know, and I just want to tell you that I've met Kim Fox personally. Now, she doesn't know my name or maybe she does. I don't know. But I've met her personally. I attended an event where one of my friends who owns a security company was getting an award and I was at that event and I met her and I listened to her speech and her speech was very great. I, I have to honestly say I was, I don't want to say mesmerized, but I'm a sucker for a good speech. Her speech was great. You know, it was about the reforms that she, you know, had within the Cook County State's Attorney's Office and how, you know, public information is available for the first time in a long time or in ever, you know, to where people can look up their cases from one period to the next, you know, and I think that stuff is great. We're talking about transparency. And so since we're talking about transparency, let's make no mistake about it. 
Kimberly Fox got to the position of the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, one on the back of Laquan McDonald. Here's another snippet from Chicago Tonight where we talk about, not we, but the moderator talks about the use of the Laquan McDonald videos for one's campaign. Because it's important to look at that. Let's talk about it. Uh, you've been accused of lack of decency and poor judgment to use the Laquan McDonald shooting video in a campaign ad. How do you respond to that? What I would say is, as we started this conversation, is that the trust in our criminal justice system has been broken under this state's attorney. Reminding the voters of what the issues are in this race, most highlighted by the Laquan McDonald video, is why we use that video. And so I do not believe that it was a lack of decency. Again, this was a public uh, document that Anita Alvarez fought for its release, and only after its release did she file charges in that case. It goes to the lack of judgment that this state's attorney has. And so, when we look at that, you know, we have to look at the fact that she, in spite of not having enough prosecutorial experience on the back of the Laquan McDonald murder and with the support of president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners, Tony Preckwinkle, that is what propelled her, in spite of her experience, to the office. And so looking at what's going on right now, looking at what has been going on since she's been state's attorney, that this murder issue in the Chicago black community is no secret. It has become the norm. It has become numbing, if you will. People have become used to it. They're not saying anything, but they become used to it. And so when you look at that, when you look at that, right, what's in it for the black people to keep Kimberly Fox as the state's attorney? I will say it again. What's in it for the black people to keep Kimberly Fox as the state's attorney? If we, the black people, want our murders to stop in our community, and we want the police to investigate the crimes. And let's just be honest, right? Most black folks don't want to cooperate with the police. Now, there are two parts to that argument. One, they don't want to cooperate with the police because primarily they fear that if they do, they will be killed. It will be retribution enacted by the murderer and or his or her associates for snitching and then the other part of that argument is they don't want to cooperate with the police because of the perceived or actual negative relationship that the police have within the black community either side regardless black folks want the murders to stop and they want the police to investigate the murders and bring the murderer to justice without their cooperation which is a hard thing to do i can tell you that professionally because sometimes there are cases where we just don't have enough evidence right away and we need those witness statements we need corroboration of what was said that occurred and without that the case can go cold and there will never be justice but what do i know i'm just a trained experienced detective so 
if black folks want the murders, the high numbers of murders to go down, and black folks want the police to investigate those cases without the black community's participation to bring the murderer to justice. You cannot bring the murderer to justice with just the police doing their job on their own. You have to include the state's attorney's office because they are the ones who are going to try the case in the court with whatever evidence is given to them that makes it more likely than not that they can try this case and win by showing proof beyond a reasonable doubt that the murderer or the alleged murderer committed this crime. And so I ask you this, black voters, how do we save Kim Fox and Ask for justice when she has not tried a murder. This isn't my evidence. You heard it out of her own mouth. When confronted with the issue or when confronted with the questions regarding her experience, she defaulted to the very thing that propelled her to that office, the Laquan McDonald issue. I tell you what the real lie is. Why it took you 400 days to check. Wait, 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 wait. We don't want to hear that. That's why you're running. We want to hear your experience and how you are going to achieve this thing of justice, this concept of justice. How will you bring the murderer of my loved one to justice if you have never brought any murderer to justice. And I think that is a very fair question because if we want the fraternal order of police, if we want those attacking Kim Fox to back off of her and we want them to focus on the murders in our community and bringing the murderer to justice, you cannot have murder, blacks, and justice without having the state's attorney involved. For if it is true that in the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate but equally important groups, the police who investigate crimes and the district attorneys or the state's attorneys who prosecute the offenders, what will be the black community's story? Can we get justice where there is a person who does not have experience at getting the kind of justice that is detrimental? That is, I don't, want to, I don't know if detrimental is the right word, but that is very important to us in the black community. She even said it herself that we're not focusing on these low-level Jesse Smollett felonies. We're, we're, we're focusing on these high, violent crimes. And so if you've never achieved a guilty verdict by trying a murderer, what's in it for the black people to keep you on board? That's a question. And I think it's a fair question. I don't think it's a question to attack Kim Fox personally. 
but professionally. Is it possible that we, the black community, can look at our sister and say, you know, I like the fact that you are black. You're beautiful. You have a beautiful family, a wonderful future. But maybe this isn't a job for you. With all the reforms that you said you've done, hooray! You know, you, you supposedly are responsible or led the efforts or are, are part of the efforts that have led to certain people who should not have been convicted of certain crimes. You are responsible for them being let out. And that is important. But your primary job is not reform. It's to prosecute. When we look at some of the some of the legal giants in our in our community, regardless of what state they were in, we look at Thurgood Marshall, who's the associate justice or was the associate uh, justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, who was very instrumental prior to his uh, appointment, prior to his nomination and confirmation to the Supreme Court. He was very instrumental in Brown versus Board of Education. He argued many cases before the Supreme Court of the United States, where out of 32 cases, he won 29 cases. He argued for the unconstitutionality of the death penalty in Furman versus Georgia, which is codified as 408 United States uh, 238, 1972, a 1972 case. He argued the arbitrary, inconsistent imposition of the death penalty and that it violates the 8th and 14th Amendments to the United States Constitution. He was very instrumental in a lot of pivotal cases that focused on individual rights in the criminal justice area. We're looking at Johnny Cochran, a well-respected trial attorney known for representing such persons that we know in our community, such as Sean Puff Daddy or Peter D. Combs, whatever he chooses to be called. Michael Jackson, Stanley Tukey Williams, prior to his convictions for the multiple murders that he was alleged to have committed. Uh, activist and inmate Geronimo Pratt. Al, uh, Abner Luima. I believe that's his last name. He was sodomized by the NYPD with a broomstick and he, he ended up getting him a settlement, a large settlement. And, and of course, O.J. Simpson. We look at the case of O.J. Simpson now. Come on now, those of us who follow the case, you and I know psst, he did that. You know it just like I do. But Johnny Cochran was able to use the, the theme and the mood and spirit of what was going on in Los Angeles, coupled with Mark Furman's lie that he never said the N-word, Right. And coupled with other things, he was able to cast a great deal of reasonable doubt in spite of the prosecutorial evidence that pointed to O.J. Simpson's guilt. Using the mood and the speed of the jury, he was able to successfully defend O.J. Simpson. Now, we don't say this is a victory for O.J. Simpson. We say this is a victory for justice. We say this is a victory for the criminal justice system in that he was able to cast reasonable doubt, able to cast reasonable doubt. And then we look at, then we look at the case of Kim Fox. She is the second African-American and the first African-American female elected to that office. The, the second largest prosecutor's office she spent 12 years on the front line as a prosecutor, trying cases for seven years and five years as a supervisor, primarily 
in the juvenile division. To my understanding, never, never been on felony review. To my understanding, never prosecuted a murder. That's what we in the black community want the focus to be on. The reduction of homicides of our of our babies, of our our moms, our dads. You got children without fathers, children without mothers, brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, cousins killed, cut down in cold blood. And we can we can we can opine on the many reasons why that that number may be so high, but if we're looking in the interest of justice, we want the numbers of murderers to come down. And the only way to get that without being a vigilante type society is to seek out justice through the, the, the proper workings of the criminal justice system, the, the proper investigation without bias of our homicides that occur in our communities. And once the police have a case working in concert with the state's attorney's office, which is something that I find to be rather abhorrent that it would be alleged that the police did a horrible job on the Jesse Smollett case when in me, knowing the way that the system works in order to be able to get felony approval of charges, in order to be able to secure a grand jury indictment of a true bill against a defendant who in this case was Jesse Smollett, you have to work in concert with the state's attorney's office. It's not the detective who presents the evidence. It's the state's attorney who presents the evidence and presents the detective to the grand jury to be able to secure that indictment. It's the state's attorney who works with the detective who grants the subsequent approval after making sure that the detective has a case and has presented evidence worth trying in the circuit court of Cook County and to then say or to then allege or to then create the culture that makes it seem like the Chicago police did a substandard job is to subsequently embarrass the office of the Cook County state's attorney and the prosecutors who worked on that case for it was their actions that worked in concert with the Chicago police area central detectives to present that case to the grand jury to secure those indictments. And so to say that the Chicago police messed up is to say that your underlings, your subordinates, your assistant state's attorneys were just as inept as well. And as the leader, anybody who follows John Maxwell knows that everything rises and falls on leadership. So how effective are you if you as the inexperienced chief prosecutor who comes from the black community, the community that is that is just just in, oh, my God, just overwhelmed with the large number of deaths in our community and has been that way for quite some time. How will you be able to achieve this thing of justice for black people so that our kids can go out and actually play in their communities, in our communities? Hadiah Pendleton should not be dead. The young boy who was nine years old murdered in Auburn Gresham because of a gang beef regarding his father. He should not be dead. And that's not to state that she caused it. Of course she did. But how do we get justice if you haven't gotten justice? 
what's truly in it for the black people if we save Kim Fox, if she can even be saved. And I'll close with this. This voter turnout in the Chicago mayoral election was a historic low, said to be 31%. Let me know if I'm right or wrong. And so of that 31% in Chicago, if there were to be a breakdown by race, how many of that 31% are black people? Because if you look at the issue of who's supporting Kim Fox, it seems to be along the lines of race. And so if your supporters are supporting you in just word, but there's a low historic turnout of voters of which it could be argued that a heavy percent of the low turnout is from the black community, then how much support is support? And if you were to get every black vote in Cook County, would that alone be enough? You've been listening to the podcast on the mic with Mike. What's in it for us? What's in it for the black people? I'm tired of seeing our kids murdered. I'm tired of seeing our cousins and uncles and aunts murdered. Now, as a trained homicide detective, I may be able to postulate on the reasons why some of these things may happen. Of course, looking at the victimology of the decedents or the persons who were killed, the victims. But that's a conversation for another time. Until then, see you next time.